the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hope you're having a great Christmas week, uh, the days after Christmas as we head towards uh, the uh, 2023, excuse me, 2023. How can that be? How can that be? Time flies. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that will talk about how when you're young, you know, if you have when you're 19 and when you get to be 19 to 20, one year is only one twentieth of your life. Right. It feels like, oh, that's a long time. Well, and you get to be in your 50s like I am suddenly a year. It just seems to go by like that. I guess it's uh, probably psychology, probably reality. And it is what it is. But I hope everyone's having a great Christmas season and uh, there's a lot to celebrate. And I hope you are getting a chance to do so. Um, we've had some family times and still some more to come. So uh, we'll talk later on in the week and into next week on New Year's resolutions. Uh, they never work for me, but um, sometimes they sometimes I get a um, a plan and it will uh, work better than a resolution. So we'll talk more about that uh, as we get closer. All right. Um, it, it is a the time of year uh, yields what can only be described as um, the B team. I don't mean that in a in a way um uh, in a way that is negative entirely. I, I've been there myself in some ways doing the radio show. You know, some people take off these weeks. If you go look at cable TV, you don't see uh, uh, Tucker or Hannity. I don't think I guess I haven't looked, but they take these weeks off. And so but here we are. But in terms of journalism, uh, at least traditional journalism, if you go and see reporting, you'll notice that who are these people? You haven't heard of them. And, and it's because people are on vacation. So, um, you know, that's something I was reading a piece on early voting. Um, people are talking about how early voting is so important. We need to do better, blah, blah, blah. And they, in the article, it was written by a woman I didn't know who was over in the Hill, but it was also quoted people I'd never heard of. Republican strategist, so-and-so. And I was like, who is that? And I didn't know because nobody's around. I mean, if you write an article now, you're not getting a callback from people. I got an email from, um, I don't know, a, a smaller network saying, would I come on TV? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tied up. You know, I'm busy. It's, uh, so, but also you will see that, um, the B team trots out some of their, uh, people. And so, and, and here's a way, one way you can tell practically if you are a member of Congress and you're home for, Christmas and New Year's, even if you live in New Jersey, that's four hours from D.C. If you live in California, it's five and a half hours by plane if on a direct flight. If you live in Florida, it's a 12-hour drive if you drove. But you get the point. But who's close? Well, who's close is Maryland and Virginia. And so over the Christmas weekend, uh, they trotted out Jeremy Raskin. Jeremy Raskin is a congressman from Maryland. He had been in the Maryland State Senate, and on every liberal cause, he's a hardcore liberal. Uh, but he lives in Maryland. He lives very close. He was for a couple of decades a law professor, which makes him a constitutional law professor, which makes him suspect in my mind, because those people are definitely convinced of their own wisdom. And they uh, come up with crazy ideas all the time. And they say them to each other and they say, wow, that was thoughtful. You came up with that idea. Uh, you know, let's gut the Constitution because we're smarter than the rest of the world. And out in the rest of the world, people are living and working and functioning. And they're saying, huh, the system is working pretty well, the American constitutional system. But Jeremy Raskin also has 
has the distinction of having been on the J- January 6th select committee. Again, he lives in the neighborhood, right? He lives a couple of miles, maybe five miles, 10 miles from the Capitol. And so here's the real trick. You can get him to go in studio very easily, whereas everyone else is at least going Skype or Zoom or whatever. Uh, and many of them are just declining to come on the air. So here's Jeremy Raskin over the weekend, and here's what he got into. Now, Jeremy Raskin, you know, you have to respect the chutzpah. You have to respect the um, uh, lack of shame of people like Jeremy Raskin, who, when he was elected to uh, the um, uh, to the Congress, one of the early things he did was talk about how he didn't believe the Constitution worked as to the Electoral College. And therefore, at one point in 2016, in fact, he said we should not certify the electors. Uh, we should protest the electors system. Right. And he stood up on the floor of the U.S. House and he tried to object the same on January 6th, 2017, the same thing that people were doing on January 6th, 2021. And he stood up and he said, I want to uh, object. I don't think these should be certified. The electors aren't right. The system is is not going to yield a, 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 fr- a fair election. And he was uh, whacked down and his, his objection discounted. But he certainly believed it. As one of the key members of the January 6th Select Committee, he's been railing against anyone who didn't accept the election. He's been railing against people that had doubts about the elections in 2020. Elections, I mean, the election results in different places. He's been railing against that, saying these people are part of a great conspiracy. These people are are not, you know, it's not acceptable, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it would be hypocritical, as I tell you, to uh, all the time. Hip- hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in um, in the uh, in the uh, um, uh, area of politics, in the arena of politics. It just doesn't it doesn't distinguish anything now. Let me uh, pause and now point out that over the weekend, he goes on to the television shows. Remember, he's the B team. He's from Maryland, so it's easier. And they get him on. And what does he rail against? The Electoral College. He says the rest of the world envies America and our systems, our Constitution, everything, except the Electoral College. And he says the Electoral College is this great threat to our nation. Now, what does he mean? What he means is if you don't have the Electoral College... All you have to do is popular vote. All you have to do to get a popular vote is go and dominate the cities. Well, the Democrats have about a hundred year history of cheating in elections in the cities. They're really good at that. But more importantly, if you look at the Electoral College and the founding, and this guy is supposed to be a constitutional uh, uh, law professor, and you go look, what you discover is it, the Electoral College was one of the key factors, a compromise. Um, another compromise, by the way, was the bicameral setup of our House and Senate, where two states, excuse me, two, every state got two senators, which made it so, what are we talking about? Rhode Island gets two senators and so does Virginia. And Virginia's 10 times the size, 20 times the economy, whatever the numbers were. And that was, to, that was another compromise. And the House of Representatives was based on uh, population. So you ended up with Virginia having many, many more uh, Congre- uh, men and women in the U.S. House. But the Electoral College was similarly a creation of compromise that allowed completely disparate, different, varying, competing uh, states at the time, colonies to knit together because they thought, well, I'm bought in. You know, look, I got I got a little bit more stake than I would have if I was out in the hinterlands. I mean, Rhode Island wasn't the hinterlands. It was on the seacoast. But you get the point in New Hampshire, other places where com- by comparison, to Massachusetts or New York or Virginia, 
They felt dwarfed in size and power. And so it knitted everyone together. And it still works that way. In fact, around the world where there's popular vote, where the popular vote is what's done, you are almost entirely at the whim of, wait for it, the election system. Because if you can control the vote count in the big cities in a country, Venezuela, pick a place, you can control who the, where the results are more easily, more easily. So except for the fact that our system, the Electoral College, has worked better than anywhere else in the world for the last 200 plus years. Oh, he's got a point. He's got a point. He doesn't have a point. But here's my here's the thing I tell you. Once you're in the minority, Jeremy Raskin now will be the mi- one of the minority leaders, I think, on the oversight committee, one of the committees. Right. So now he's been in power for two or uh, four years, but he's been in, he's been in power for a big time for a couple of years where you actually have control. You can subpoena things. You can go on. now if you're in the minority, you really just are a bomb throwing uh, propagandist. And so Jeremy Raskin is warming up. Uh, on a weekend where nobody's really watching much TV, he's saying to himself, watch this, everybody. I'm going to go out and I'm going to start talking about the Electoral College and every other left wing thing. You know, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, spoke a lot about how the Equal Rights Amendment, one of the problems was we were mess- problems was it well, you were problems with the ERA was you were, met- you were messing with the Constitution. Things in there, when you change them, they don't get changed easily. That's the point. It's hard to do amendments. It's hard to get changes because if you just willy nilly do things, you'll never get them on on one. Even Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case reversed a Supreme Court decision, not a a constitutional amendment. And so when you hear Jeremy Raskin ramping up the effort to do to get rid of the Electoral College, the next thing you'll hear if you listen closely is why do we have the First Amendment this way? Elon Musk is mean. We need to change that. Why do we have the Second Amendment in the way we have it? That's antiquated. Well, you know, why do we, and and pretty quickly you're going to start to hear from the propagandists that the idea that the necessity of a constitutional convention to clean things up. All right. I mean, watch this now. One last thing, I want to point out to you where conservatives and liberals have often talked about how this works for them and it doesn't. So here's a quick example. I'll come back to this. Early voting, ballot harvesting. Conservatives are now saying we have to do it better than them. That's not the way the system works. We'll never do it better than them because the system is rigged for the left to utilize it. You have to be willing to do fraud, be dishonest, be dishonorable. We can't. Another example is Citizens United, the Supreme Court case that has has uh, dark money in politics. And we say, well, that's good because we can finally allow corporations to invest. It never works. Zuckerberg gave his money, the Zuckbucks, from the left, and he's a big business guy. And what you see is the big businesses, they, they end up big businesses, massive corporations, massive wealth. They don't end up conservative. And in part, it's because the cost is high. If you're a conservative and you come out in public and you make your voice heard, see Mike Lindell, you're going to find your business you know, beaten senseless by protests and everything else. So be careful when you see conservatives embrace positions that are proposed by the left and maybe operating by the left well because we can never utilize things that have to do with uh, uh, making the law work we can never do that if we uh, the, the law is supposed to be good for everybody if you have to disregard the law if you have to be dishonest early voting ballot harvesting dark money 
The dark money stuff was never meant to allow people to do what Zuckerberg's did, but the left is doing it. And it, what we're doing is we're going to start a super PAC that helps a, a, a conservative candidate somewhere. And that's supposed to be dark money, except it's not dark. As soon as uh, Peter Thiel put money into a race for Arizona uh, for a uh, Senate candidate, everybody knows it. But if Zuckbucks, Zuckerberg's, uh, Zuckerberg is, fl- is flooding the uh, certain counties with bucks and they're doing it again. There's a piece over at American Conservative uh, a- a explains all those details. Hayden Ludwig wrote it a couple days ago. We're going to get beat there. So be careful. Right, that's what you need to know. A little bit of rambling today. It's the holidays. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Well, he never rests, even for holidays. Even for holidays. It's not, I'm not talking about Santa. I'm talking about Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman at the Center for Immigration Studies, the Senior National Security Fellow, author of uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of articles and posts. A couple of books we'll mention in a moment. Uh, welcome, Todd. First of all, I mean, they do it to you, right? Because on Christmas Eve, maybe the 23rd, the Biden administration, I guess they had held the, the, the data, but they dropped the data. Doesn't matter why. Or I mean, we know why. They didn't want anybody to talk about it but todd benzman is tell me what what do these numbers show well the numbers uh, again are just you know horrific uh two hundred and six thousand. uh it's a, a, a bit more than last month uh two hundred and four thousand two hundred five thousand apprehensions at the border that's just again for october and november i mean november is two 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 hundred and six thousand four hundred and 11, 412,000 for just the last two months. Uh, that does not count the gotaways, which are not accounted for in the public data. But uh, I have Border Patrol friends who see those and tell me that uh, we should be able to tack another 70, 75,000 a month onto those numbers. So another 150,000. Wow. We're looking at, you know, 500, 600,000 in just the last two months. So, I mean, it is on, <laughs> you know, it's definitely not alleviating. And uh, with the advent of um, the announcement that Title 42 will go away, uh, we're already seeing, uh, you know, record numbers crossing uh, the southern border. We'll be looking at 12,000 to 18,000 a day for December. Uh, we're, we're, again, we're talking with Todd Benzman, the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, I, I, so two questions about this. One, um, one. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you a second question first. The second question is uh, Bill Malusian, who's over at Fox, um, tweeted about this at about eight o'clock uh, East Coast time on December 23rd. And he wrote breaking in a blatant Friday evening news dump going into the Christmas weekend. The federal government has released the November border numbers. And then he recounted the numbers. The interesting thing about this is it was retweeted by uh, um, Elon Musk. And my point there is this this is my I'll go back to my first question in a moment about what we said. But that's a lot. That's a lot more eyes on this issue than a lot of things we've seen. In other words, are are people that's Fox News and they've sometimes ignored it, although Malusian's been pretty good. But it's Elon Musk who's saying, look at this. Now, I suspect Musk, if you could pin him down, he also liked the action of the fact that Twitter is sort of responding to a, a White House dump and he's in the middle of it. But are you seeing more attention on these issues, even over the holidays? Well, I, I am. Uh, I'm seeing MSNBC uh, was talking about it over the holiday uh, days. They had some people on. Yeah. Uh, I saw I saw um, Martha Raddick uh, ask about it in an interview. 
you know, but uh, they, they're not asking the right questions. You can tell they don't understand anything about it. It's almost as though it's just now happened. Uh, right. that it's something brand new and so there's no context or history to it to what they're seeing and they don't really know how to think about it so they're leaving a lot of confusion in the wake of whatever reports that they do so i i hope that they'll get it straightened out i don't think that they ever will um they're probably just going to go with the uh party line uh, all the gaslighting that's happening about it it's not our fault. It's Trump's fault. Uh, you know, all that kind of thing. So I don't know if more uh, coverage is better or worse, actually. So we'll see. Well, and that's so now back to my first question. I'm sorry I did that to you. But uh, the first question is when you saw these number numbers, you're you're used to this, meaning you've been covering it for years now. And especially the last, say, 12 to 15 months. Um were you surprised or is this standard and, and, you know, basically what you expected? And then um, is the reaction among people that are covering this um, different than before? You know, insofar as there is a community of people who are looking at it, they're going, huh, OK. Or is it just sort of like, here we go. It's just a, a hammer drops every month and we and we end up with this uh, these numbers. I think that <clears throat> 200,000 a month is going to be ancient history pretty soon. I think we're going to be looking at uh, like December and January might very well be in the uh, 400,000 range. We'll see. Uh, I mean, the intelligence community was predicting 12,000 to 18,000 a day. Once, once everybody got access to asylum, uh, that is three forty to five twenty a month. So it just remains to be seen if that's actually going to happen or, uh, if because the administration has been slowly whittling down the percentage of people that they're pushing back under 42 uh, from 60 percent on inauguration day, they reduced it from 90 percent to 60 percent on inauguration day. Wait, explain that, though, Todd, what, Todd explain, explain that a little more clearly. What, what, yes, does that mean? Uh, yeah. what, what does that mean when they change that? Title 42 was supposed to be a uh, instant expulsion for 100 percent of everybody Border Patrol caught goes right back to Mexico without asylum, without claiming asylum. So the reason that we have the crisis that we have right now is because Biden came in and reduced that percentage of pushbacks from 90 percent to 60 percent, then to 50 percent, then to 40 percent. And now it's 30 percent as of uh, the November numbers show that it was that it's 30 percent. So the percentage of people that were even being pushed back under Title 42 has just rapidly declined from inauguration day to today. And that is the reason for this crisis as it stands. What will happen when the final 30 percent goes away remains to be seen. Those 30 percent, the people that make up those 30 percent are typically Central Americans, you know, Guatemalans and Hondurans and Salvadorans. So those people um, are, you know, backed up in their countries in huge numbers waiting for Title 42 to go away so that they can come. And they have shown in the past that they can come in very, very large numbers. 
So that's kind of what I'm looking at is, you know, what are the Central Americans going to be doing here? Are they going to have a population transfer or what? Uh, you know how much are they going to come? So, but to, to to say that, so back to putting those uh, putting my the two parts of my earlier question together. Then, um, part of the problem is when you see coverage that says, "Oh wow, uh, you know, three hundred thousand people or whatever the total number is coming across the border." Your point is, since inauguration, the Title Forty Two has been eliminated anyway, even if it wasn't because they just have slowly said, "You know, uh, don't send a hundred percent back, send ninety percent." Well, that was what Trump was doing. And then, since Biden says, "Let's." send 60% by today, it's 30%. And so you're covering the kind of end point of a process. And you, and your expectation is they're going to go from 30% down to a very small percent uh, by in, in the new year. And again, um, is there any, do you, do you have any sense that um, people that don't understand this problem, meaning the public, are going to be represented by people in Congress who don't really do things unless they think the public is paying attention? So is there are you seeing anything that makes you say, aha, these guys and gals up in the new Republican House get it? Or uh, maybe Joe Manchin and some Democrats who don't want to lose their election in a couple of years get it? Is there, Are you seeing anything like that? Not yet. Um, they they skated uh, through the midterms pretty well without without heavy damage. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that there will be. Well, you know, we didn't really we didn't get bitten too badly uh, on on the midterm, even though you know we have this historic crisis. So you know, but now the question is, will we lose the White House over this? In 2024, once Title 42 is completely gone and we have cities across America start to declare emergencies like we're seeing now and asking for federal bailouts. Uh, You know, we just had we just saw Denver, uh, which is far away from the border in the Rocky Mountains, um, declare, you know, in a state of emergency from all the immigrants coming in by bus. And New York is asking for a billion dollar bailout. And uh, this is just the beginning of that. I think we can expect to see a whole lot of cities start to ask for federal bailouts. And then it becomes kind of more of a in your face crisis. Right. I see. Uh, In middle America. So I'm hoping maybe that'll attract attention. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe somebody will do something. But but I, I will say this, the narratives that I'm hearing from Democrats and from Democratic mayors uh, is that this is something that just kind of, you know, co- you know, got started because of something Trump kind of did and broke the system. And, uh, you know, it's like nobody really understands that this has been going on since Inauguration Day and not one minute earlier. And it has not never stopped since Inauguration Day. We're almost two years into this thing, and nobody really knows why, uh, I think, on that side. We do. I just wrote a book about why. Hopefully, it'll get out there and you know help, help uh, inform when the new Congress comes in and starts holding hearings on this. 
Um, the book, by the way, I should mention, uh, thank you for doing that, Todd. We're talking about Todd Benzman, uh, who's over at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Uh, his book is called Overrun. It's titled Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greater, the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History uh, from Post Hill Press. If you go to toddbensman.com, you can see uh, ways to buy it. His earlier book was called America's Covert Border War. Uh, also really good. So, um, okay, Todd, uh, get, what, what's a marker? Um, what's coming in terms of dates that you will we will hear or see? something i mean i know things can interrupt right there could be a, a crisis or god help us uh, god forgive us god don't let it happen a kate steinley situation where something dramatic catch, catches the news but absent something like that um what is the what are the what are the um what are the upcoming uh dates that will matter is there a date when we're going to really see the bottoming out of uh, title 42 is there a, a date that already scheduled where there's going to be a hearing or something that you think will get some attention give us give us something out in the next couple months that matters if there is something you can see yet well uh you know the first thing that we'll start to see is uh you know you've got el paso which is just a catastrophe it happens to be an inflection point geographically where large numbers are already coming through even people targeted by title 42 are still saying ah what are you going to do uh you know they're just coming through those are the people sleeping in the streets and on buses and everywhere right uh and we should start to see uh maybe after the supreme court finally strikes it down and the border actually opens up for asylum for all then we we should start to see that happen in places like tijuana uh, Reynosa, Mexico, Matamoros, across from Brownsville, you should start to see other cities experience what you're seeing in El Paso. That could happen in the next few days or the next few weeks. And then um, it should just stay like that. It should just be like a, a crush of humanity. Uh, and then the new Congress will come in and you'll see an immediate uh, setting of hearings for the border about the border different aspects of the border investigative committees and that sort of thing so uh, i think 2023 will be filled with lots and lots and of migrants crossing illegally and being let in cities declaring emergencies and asking for federal bailouts and congressional hearings on the uh, republican side Okay, well, um, thank you for uh, hanging in there um, during the holidays uh, and, and dig it in. Again, uh, com is where you can go to see uh, more about his book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Thank you, Todd. We'll talk again, I think, very yeah, soon. Ed, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, and I'll also just point out I'm, I'm uh, going to go into Mexico tomorrow oh, for good. the next week, and you can oh. follow me on uh, Twitter and uh truth social and getter as i live tweet and i'll be producing reports as well along the way okay at it's at bensman todd on twitter on getter and truth is it the same or is it a a, a different uh it's t t bensman at getter and todd bensman at truth okay good well i'll make sure to put them on i'll try to keep up yeah i'll try to keep up with it uh you know as i'm as i'm on the road Okay, good. Well, listen, be careful, be safe out there. Thank you. And, uh, well, 2023 will be interesting. I'm not sure yet we can say it's a, a good new year, but we'll, we'll, we'll root for the best. We'll see what happens. So thanks, Todd Benz. We appreciate you. Take care. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we will be uh, right back. Uh, I'll put all that up on social media. In the next couple of days, I'll make sure that I, on my social media, that I push out there and we'll see what Todd's up to. Uh, valuable, valuable investigative reporter. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while again since I last talked to my friend Mark Schneider, and I say that uh, like a lot of times you say on the radio, but Mark Schneider for, I don't know, five years, more, more, or very early on in the radio show that I started six years ago, uh, he came on and he was talking about his uh, experience as an engineer. He worked in nuclear power. He had this background, and he was, you know, he gets credited. I think you get credited, Mark, with a couple other people being really far ahead on the conversation of, hey, wait a second, don't discount... Uh, uh, nuclear if you're trying to be smarter about anything climate change or efficiency or uh, lower cost of energy and so Mark Schneider at Sub Schneider because he was a submariner at Sub Schneider on uh, Twitter uh, and uh, welcome back Mark how are you I'm doing great. How are you, Ed? I'm great. So I did want to ask you, because we talked all off the air, you've got six kids and a long-suffering wife, so the holidays are busy, a busy time. <laughs> and uh, how'd everybody, how's everything? Did you guys have a great Christmas? Oh, we had a wonderful Christmas. It was amazing. Good, good, good. Well, it's good. All right. So, Mark, I want to ask you on, you know, this week before the uh, before the holidays, before, excuse me, before the holiday of New Year's, where everybody starts to think about, oh, well, 2023, I'm going to get myself in shape. I'm going to do these kinds of things. You in the last year have been a remarkable person to watch, um, not only because you started doing a lot of running and you ran some credible races and you had that story, but the one thing, and, and you mark it on your Twitter feed, one year ago today from November 22nd, uh, I had my last drink. Each day that passes, the desire to drink fades further and further. And then this is the one, the phrase that really pays. Alcohol really is poison. So my first question is, did you quit drinking because you had a problem? You said, I'm, I'm drinking more to relax and be uh, stressed out. Is it something that you, or is it was it somehow different? Um, so I had a bad night um, in October of last year, and uh, that kind of set me down the path where I said I need to change something. Uh-huh. Um, and so I woke up, dumped my whiskey out, and then I faltered, right? And it was uh-huh. in November. Um, and then that was my last time I drank. But really the big thing was is that uh, I was doing all that running, right? My January yeah. 1st, 2021 New Year's resolution was to run one mile a day, and 430 days later I ran a marathon. Right. Well, throughout that that process, I was noticing that when I drank, my resting heart rate would jump 10 to 20 beats per minute uh, the next day. So that really was the big thing and where that whole alcohol is poison coming from is I have the data to back it up. That's the engineer in me speaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking with Mark Schneider. But Mark, the I do think that, you know, I, you know, we, we, we both, I think you're his friend. I, I, I watch and listen to Scott Adams and he started, he used that phrase, I think, or maybe you and he used it, um, alcohol is poison. But then he talked about it, you know, if you're going to do New Year's resolutions, it doesn't, it's not necessarily for everybody. I think, you know, and I think he's writing a book on this, but it's kind of a New Year's reframe. I mean, to, to take then if someone says to you, alcohol is poison, you don't have to think about why you don't want to have a drink, right? Uh, yeah, that is. Um, and, and part of the reframe, too, and why I use the, the data is that when you go to those social events and people want to offer you alcohol and you can show them, you know, the hard data, right. they really don't argue with you. That was kind of my big thing is if you say alcohol is poison, people are going to argue with you um, when I go when I go to a social event. For me, it's a reframe that works great. Alcohol is poison. But going to a social event, I use the data as an explanation, and I've got no arguments from that. 
I see. Well, and, and the reason I part of the reason I thought of it, it was is if you say to someone, you know, and, and, and people talk a lot of times about, say, the pro-life movement. And if you say to someone abortion is murder, you, you've pushed them away before you've had a conversation about anything. And I think if people are have in their life. They like alcohol. They like to have a drink. If you say alcohol is poison, it pushes them away. It works for me. I see the same thing you did, although you already reframed it for me in this conversation. I, I would watch and I would have sleep patterns after even a couple of drinks. My sleep was terrible. And then the whole next day, even I'm not even talking about a bender where somebody's gone, you know, gone and had a big night and gone to bed at three in the morning. I'm talking about going to bed at 1030 or 11. And, and as you point out, heart rates up, sleep is off. Um, so that's that's uh, probably more powerful. Well, Mark, though, you're a guy now that you've got added running, committed exercise. You've added this reframe is are you exceptional? I mean, you're exceptional to me, but are you exceptional? Are, are people mostly going to look and say, I, I can't. I don't think I can pull that off or halfway through a month or two, they're going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm changing my plan. How do you, how do you, how do you make it clear in a funny way that you're not exceptional? Um, so the big thing is, is that I, the running is the easiest way for me to describe it is that it's a day to day event. And I did things like shoelaces made it difficult to run. So I bought running shoes that didn't have shoelaces. Right. So any, right. any barrier I could remove, to make my goal or, you know, my system work, I would try to do it. So, you know, if it meant lounging around in running clothes with my running shoes on all day to make sure that I could guarantee that I would get that one mile in, and I set little goals, right? You know, right. everyone talks about, you know, we, we, we look at the large goal, right? I want to run a marathon. But if you do it into the small bites, you know, the first miles that I was running were terrible, and I would do them in 10, 15 minutes, right? Well, 15 minutes is not a long time. Everyone has 15 minutes that they can spare. And so that's how I sold it to myself, the reframe to myself for that was, what can I do? And then when it comes to alcohol, right, you know, one day, each treat each day differently, right? I can accomplish this today. And, you know, I know uh, my last big holiday that I was concerned about was July 4th. Big drinking holiday, had family coming in. And, um, you know, what can I do for that? Well, you know, there's some really good, high-quality non-alcoholic beers. They make, um, you know, uh, it's called Ritual Zero Proof Alcohol, right? Things like that where you can get kind of that same... Um, you know, ritual, if you will, that's why they call it, you know, uh, ritual for the, the boot, for the fake alcohol. But uh, you can still get kind of that, that same sense of camaraderie while everyone else is drinking. And, you know, you just figure out a way to work it. And that's just kind of maybe that's why I'm exceptional is I just make systems that work. We're talking again with uh, Mark Schneider, and uh, Mark Schneider got, got sort of famous in our world in the media for his uh, effort to educate on uh, on the importance of nuclear power and what was going on in Generation 4 nuclear power, which is the newest stuff that's really got the possibility and making things uh, work better. You mentioned earlier, though, Mark, you said you go to a place and you explain this, you know, you're an engineer, you explain the science, or explain the facts. Uh, I think, I, I, as I use this phrase, uh, our again, our mutual friend would say, people don't decide on facts. They decide on what they feel. So how is it? How does it? How does it persuade them? I guess maybe your point is when you say, "Hey, look, this is what worked for me. Here's why." They're not listening. They're looking at you, and they're not necessarily uh, using only the facts. 
Yeah. So I'm not using the facts, you know, the, the hard data to try to persuade them that they should not drink alcohol. I'm doing it to try to persuade them to not convince me to drink alcohol. Oh, and I think it's okay. an easier sell. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's that's another good reframe. Uh, all right. So, Mark, what happens now you, you, for your advice to people as they're heading towards New Year's? Um, New Year's resolutions like, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of them don't make it, you know, uh, past a couple of weeks. What, what's your advice on how to think about things? And one of the things I like about it, Mark, is when I, I've seen you talk to you, but I've seen you on um, on Twitter and other places. It's clear it's very satisfying to you and you're not afraid to show that which is not always the same thing people be satisfied and in fact i i was um reading about um uh about how frequently people will be that that get their act together to say that way maybe exercise and people will suddenly start talking about oh you know you look too thin like you know you look uh, you look unhealthy you're like why, why are you why are you sort of sabotaging you've had a way of celebrating what your successes has been i think that's been um helpful for people to see how do you talk to people that are thinking okay i want to make I want to make some things happen differently in 2023. Um, So I would say the big thing is, is that you got to be open yet guarded. Um, So I'm very open online about my stuff. But uh, if you see when I post a lot of the things, I don't take advice from people online. And that's an instant way that I block people. And then I'm very, when I'm talking in person with people, I don't bring up my running to everyone or my my health goals to everyone i bring it up to those that i know that will support me in those um because what i don't want is i'm trying not to uh uh surround myself with any negative energy associated with that so i'm very clear on trying to focus the energy where it's going to benefit me the most and so when you're going into the new year right you say you're gonna quit drinking for the year and if you go around the people that are drinking and you tell them i'm gonna quit drinking well why would you do that just don't tell them Right. Go to the people that you know that aren't. And that's what's going to be successful is go where the energy is going to benefit you. Again, we're talking with Mark Schneider at Sub Schneider on uh, Twitter. And also, um, I don't know how to do this any different. You know, failure is not failure is a, a, a learning exercise. Right. I mean, you know, when you when you say, hey, I'm going to go a mile a day and, and then you discover that, you know what, I can't I can't really run my knees and ankles bother me, but I'm going to walk a mile a day. Well, you didn't. That's not a failure. That's actually a, a educate. You know, you've, you've um, learned something to correct. Right. Um, and I think that's another part of uh, of the dynamic of sort of people have to it's not a zero-sum game. Agree. Ron, I'd like to think of failure as like the raw orbit before it's refined into success. So every time you fail, think of that as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to say it. All right. Hey, Mark, uh, thank you for coming on. I know it's during the, during the holidays and Christmas and New Year's bearing down. And uh, great to hear your voice and be encouraged. Congratulations on all the things you're doing, and especially on your great family. And have a wonderful 2023. We look forward to uh, hearing more and seeing more of your successes. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Mark Schneider, everybody. I'll put up on social media all the uh, uh, spaces and places you can track him down. And uh, super guy, very inspirational. Uh, been a speaker at some of our uh, Eagle Forum events, and he's fantastic. So I will right, take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Hey. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in real quick here for Ed Martin. I wanted to come back and wrap us up. Uh, we're still on a little bit of a holiday schedule here. I hope that you all are too, uh, that you had a wonderful Christmas with family and friends. And I do hope that as well that uh, you, like us, are still have family and friends in and from out of town. You're still running around doing some parties, looking forward to the new year, celebrating with uh, the ones that you love. But I tell you what. As we march toward the end of the year, I know that everyone's got New Year's resolutions. We had a great segment today uh, with Mr. Mark Schneider talking about reframing uh, rather than resolutions. If you would help us wrap up the 2022 year of the Pro-America Report, we are looking across the spectrum of all of the different um, all the different episodes that we had, all the different great guests and segments. There were just some incredible uh, things, incredible times of, of information and of action that were shared here on the show. And we are looking over all of them here at the end of the year, kind of pulling our favorites and uh, deciding what the highlights were of 2022 for us. Would you do that for us? Would you go back and take a look? You can go over to our SoundCloud page. You can find all of the podcasts at ProAmericaReport.com. Go there now. And uh, if you would look through, find some of those guests that really stood out to you, um, guests that made an impact on you, segments of something that Ed brought forward, something that you needed to know or that we needed to do, and really made um, a change in your mindset or actually motivated you to action. Ed would love to hear from you on what those things were that were so impactful. So go over to ProAmerica report.com and email ed at phyllisschlafly.com let us know what your highlights of 2022 were we'd love to hear from you as always thank you so much to ed for being a great host thank you to noah our technical director and we hope that you have a wonderful uh rest of the week here as we go from christmas to new year's we look forward to talking to you tomorrow right here on the pro america report we'll see you then this is the pro america report on the answer san diego Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.